Yeah, we were doing some like post questions on live and like one of the last things was what like how can we find out about live or more information and she's like go to www <laughs> and then the world like, wide the, web everyone just it's like mike was like literally no one ever types that in ever. honestly my parents do and i'm i'm like why i was Please. like that was my point i was like it is www yeah yeah, yeah. but apparently i'm like you know 40 plus <laughs> hey what's going on guys my name is kenneth jackson i'm an actor from atlanta georgia and i'm trey riley i'm a writer director from charlotte north carolina and this is cinevibes welcome to cinevibes we're joined today with an amazing guest that we're so privileged to have on the show Someone that I've personally gotten close with in the industry in the past uh, about a year and a half or so, I think, two years, something like that. And we started working together a lot. I love her work ethic. She's a great human being and super fun, driven. Every time I talk to her, she's always doing like 40 things at once. And they're not at all in the same world, just multiple things crushing it in every part of life. We're joined today with Eden Lee, and she's going to be talking about her experience acting, as well as some other things she's been up to lately. So let's jump into it. Eden, thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for you. having me, guys. Of course. What's been going on? Tell us about yourself. Like, what's been going on in the last week, or... The last few months. Since birth. That's true. Since birth. Your entire life. Um, How was your childhood? um, Wow. Loaded question. That's a different podcast, I think. That's a whole new episode on its own. No, I mean, if we're, if our focus is more so acting. um, Yeah. How did you get into acting? Where, Where did that come about? So acting's, it's, Acting's kind of been something that I've liked ever since I was really little. Like whenever mm-hmm. we used to do plays in school and um, I think it's every every little girl's dream to be like a singer actor when they grow up. When you when you grow up listening to Britney Spears, you're like, I can mm-hmm. do that when I grow oh, up, yeah. right? And um, so I was always really active in school, even like elementary school and everything like that. But it wasn't really encouraged from my parents to pursue that as a venue so pretty early on it was like a yeah that's a really nice thing but you can do that while you're doing like your real grown-up job it's Mm -hmm. a nice hobby right yeah yeah it's it's nice nice you can do it um so it was it was made pretty clear to me pretty early on that that wasn't going to be anything that I pursue professionally Mm -hmm. um I was always on track to initially go to pharmacy school the medical school and then I decided to pursue nursing and then once I kind of got my feet wet and got a couple years into that, I looked around at my life and I was really happy. I had a great job. I met a great guy. I was healthy. My, you know, everything that could go right was going right, but it still felt like something was missing. And when I was kind of doing a survey of, you know, what would really make me feel full right now, it was acting. And so in 2016 was when I decided that I was going to 
pursue that and take my first acting class. And from then on, it's just been this mm-hmm. pursuing this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a lot of friends that I talk to and a lot of them are pretty similar in the fact that, you know, I mean, they have fantastic jobs that pay amazingly, you know, and that they have everything that they, you know, need or should have in life. And then they just look around and they're like, no, nah, I want to chase something else, something else that like I feel calling to me. And I think that's just a big thing about acting in general is that it's sometimes like you it's just a call that it may seem ridiculous to the outside world but it's something that you just have to answer right 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 i think there i think you just there are certain people um and i have this conversation all the time like it's really nice i think it's really nice for people who are you know non-creatives to be Mm -hmm. really really fulfilled and working their nine to five and having their their family and their friends and finding true fulfilling happiness in that mm-hmm. and then there are people like us who are just always never <laughs> satisfied and always hungry for something else and and to some degree i love finding friends that are in the same headspace that i am but what mm-hmm. a miserable life we live <laughs> never <laughs> never never getting what we really really want always running around yeah yeah and i mean you're still doing nursing correct Yes. Yeah. No, I'm in the ER a few days a week and um, balancing that with, you know, making sure that I pursue my craft and continue to to study and lean into learning opportunities. So while one of your careers withered away in the pandemic, the other one exponentially exploded. Right. Yeah, no. And that was that was weird and surreal, right? Like (laughs) everyone who's in the creative space, we just had to kind of go into hibernation. Yeah. (laughs) Now what do we do? We can't make anything. We can't shoot anything. But on the flip side, yeah, I mean, I've been busy this whole time, so it's never really stopped for me. And that's the only thing I would expect from you. (laughs) That's just you're crushing it always. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah, you said you mentioned that you were working on your craft. And also, I want to touch on like you just recently dropped that you were doing like uh, self-taping stuff, right? Right. Yeah. No, I have spent I think one of the things like especially in the southeast, you know, we're not in New York and L.A. where um, people typically gravitate to whenever they decide that they're going to pursue film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like a lot of people are hobbyists, which is fine, but let's let's leave that in its own lane, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are people who decide that they're going to forge every opportunity that they can in order to really grow professionally. And so I've always been a huge proponent of creating my own path in this, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was making sure that I connect with the people that I really gel with and, and want to make things with or making sure that I am always present and always learning and self-taping has been a huge part of our audition process down in the Southeast for some time. And so whenever, you know, with COVID, everyone decided we were going to go remote and virtual. Um, I mean, we have such a huge leg up because of the way that we have been auditioning for some time. Mm -hmm. And it was just the perfect opportunity to really lean into that and really perfect this part of the business. Mm-hmm. And I have spent, gosh, I don't even know <laughs> how much money just making sure that I, I 
tweak and I figure out what works within my space between Mm -hmm. painting and lighting and making sure that I have the right audio. And so it felt like only a natural step, especially with a a lot of how, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of self-taping services around here in particular. And Mm -hmm. so using that opportunity to kind of share that with other people. Yeah. And I also love reading for other people whenever they right. audition because I'm always like, this is so fun. I get yeah. to like create this character for you here. So you mm-hmm. get to do something amazing there. And historically, you know, like you're talking about, people would pack up their bags and head to L.A. and just start walking in the studios or casting agencies, I guess. And, you know, now you can set up your home kind of like a home office, so to speak. And, you know, you've done that and you're kind of extending that out to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we're in a very unique spot right now to where for the first time in a long time, the Southeast, especially from the acting community, we have a leg up. So why not really, really, really crush it? Like have the Mm -hmm. most professional looking virtual auditions and self-tapes just to to set us apart in that way now you know yeah that that's something that i want to ask you about like uh your setup and everything but since we're on the topic of like how you know self-taping has become so relevant with what's going on now uh that's all i've known ever since i started right every single audition i've gotten has been self-tape right it's not it's never been like going into the agency which I've been lucky that it's been that way because I wasn't previously in Atlanta. Now I'm, I have the capability, but since everything in the South seems so dispersed and not in the central hubs, and we usually send these things off to those hubs, it, it definitely has caused me to make my setup look a lot nicer. So it looks like I'm, you know, at some recording studio rather than my living room. Right. Right. Yeah. And right now, even, and that was always the case because that our region is so big, you mm-hmm. know, we had casting directors here that would say, Hey, we're looking for, you know, talent for a project in Wilmington, but they wanted to be able to access everybody in the Carolinas up into Tennessee and Virginia, all the way down into Florida. There's mm-hmm. no way to get that amount of people to just drive six hours in one direction to sit in a room for five minutes with the casting director. It was never going to work out that way. Yeah, it's not feasible. Right. And so so considering how big our region was, um, I just think we're really fortunate that that's, like you said, how it's kind of always been for us. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know what that in-person feel is like consistently Mm because I'm taking a lot of different Zoom audition classes right now. And it's really interesting the mental block that a lot of actors have because they're like, this is so weird. Um, I, you know, I'm so used to being in the room with the casting director and now I can't do that. And Mm -hmm. I almost feel like they're, they're just creating a catalog of excuses for why they're now failing to connect with, you know, their reader or they're, they're failing to book or they're failing to quote unquote get in the room. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and now it's just going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. If, if they say, well, you know, I didn't get that because they didn't get to meet me. Well, this mm-hmm. is all we have now. So you better get really good at this. Yeah. 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 I remember I, <laughs> I joined one of those, I guess it was a course, right? Yeah. So he, a Trey, Trey course. came in for like a, 
uh, Pure Prep with Erica Arvold, and he had oh. like, signed up and, and done that. And I mean, you can speak to that. Yeah, I, uh, I think I just wanted to mention how it can, like, because you're getting kind of in like a productive way, really grilled. Like, right. They're on you and you got to be ready, like with your responses and like your intentions. And it just really gives you a lot of respect for actors and to have to be able to do that in front of people and at your own home without any coaching, you know, those classes or those courses can kind of really give you some guidance because I was terrified. I wasn't participating. I was just listening and watching, but I was like, this is tense. I was sweating. It was just like, I don't know how people are doing this thing, but it was pretty impressive. Right. And I mean, coming and showing up to classes like that, where, you know, Erica's like, what's your intention? What happened the moment before? Because they're like this close to you, you don't get to BS your way through that. You know, you either came prepared or you didn't. And so- I remember that class in particular, I was like, oh, you better be on your A game. Like you better have actually prepared your character because we're yeah. all about to, this class of 30 people. We're <laughs> about to find out if you prepared or not. Yeah. I remember like we could tell, like, you know, me and you talked about it afterwards. It was obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. So yeah. aside from, you know, some acting classes and things, you know, what have you been able to do to hone your craft? during this time are you actually auditioning for roles is that happening right now or you know what what is there out there well i think when everything kind of came to screeching halt um auditions basically stopped commercial auditions were the first ones to start coming back um because a lot of different companies have to do their due diligence of making sure that their patrons and their customers know that they're going to continue to serve them in the middle of this pandemic so commercials work started first. Um, TV and film are starting to come in because they're starting to slate to be in production. Who knows, come those dates, if these these auditions or, you know, like shooting is going to get pushed back because I feel like we're kind of all just, you know, we're in limbo right now. You know, it, it all, it's starting to pick up now. I know uh, Tyler Perry's studio down in Atlanta ended up shooting, what, like, 11 seasons or, or a whole season of their show in 11 days or something crazy yeah, like that. And yeah. So right now um, I'm in a few different classes with casting directors where in essence it's scene work, but it's also this great opportunity to prepare characters. And then also in essence, like audition for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the most important thing is, there, there's a very clear division and difference between being a great actor and being really good at acting and then also being a very good business person and knowing mm-hmm. how to market yourself, how to audition, um, how to stand out. And so considering like all of us feel pretty confident where if we book the role, we'd be able to spend the time and do all this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I've just been really pouring into getting really good at the auditioning process and trying to look at that through a different lens, Mm -hmm. especially since like with these zoom classes, which Kenneth, I don't know if you've gotten to do any of them. Your Mm -hmm. reader sometimes is in New York or LA or they're somewhere else. 
mm-hmm. and and creating this new relationship with people who truly are not in the room with you and learning how to navigate that has mm-hmm. been really interesting. And I think, um, you know, I have a close friend of mine who when everything started happening, like he was really resistant to doing Zoom classes. He was like, it's just not the same. Like, I don't know what my reader is giving me. I don't know how they feel. I don't mm-hmm. know how to convey how I feel. I was like, I mean, when you FaceTime with your parents, like, do you not know how, you know, what, what they're trying to convey to you or emotionally how people are with you just because they're through that screen? Like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to do it now. Like, you just don't have a choice because people are figuring it out, right? And yeah. they're getting over those em- emotional and mental hurdles. And all for the first time, I feel like we're all on a level playing field, which means you really have to you have to hustle and you have to do the work in order to stand out. Yeah. I I think that and the only reason I would say that I'm on the other side of the fence, I believe it really does cause you when you're on screen, like you're sitting right there. I see your face. Like you can't hide anything at all. Like, you know, someone might blink and miss that you're actually not there in the moment, but here, like you're on screen and that, you know, you have to roll with the punches if something happens, you know, some lag happens, just like a spike or something like that. And even still, like, you know, the the reason I would say that it's different is because I've noticed that when I go in to read on camera in a full class, I'm very nervous, but I get I get very comfortable when I'm doing zoom classes because I'm in my comfort zone, you know, and so that's the only reason I would say that zoom has kind of been something i wouldn't want to do first off just because i don't get that experience of the heightened sense of i need to perform and do what i need to do in this class with everybody watching right that's the only reason i would say but i definitely agree that it causes you to you know be very specific about the choices you make because you don't have that heightened sense of energy, right? You have to be able to get whatever it is that the person is giving you through the screen. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely, I relate in the sense that um, this, this is where I'm comfortable and doing things over zoom is where I'm comfortable. I did a class down in Atlanta with an agent and we had to self tape before Mm -hmm. and then show up and then, you know, get feedback and then do, in essence, a live redirection and a callback in, mm-hmm. in that space. And I was fine doing this, you know, mm-hmm. and then doing the self-tape and then set, you know, sending it in, watching it in front of everyone that was fine. Mm-hmm. But the moment I had to sit in front of the whole class, which is like only eight people, I was yeah. losing my mind. <laughs> and so, of course, the feedback was like, you had this really great energy about you. You felt really nervous. And I was like, yeah, dude, because I was crapping my pants because I don't <laughs> like all these people watching me. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's funny because um, even in the even in the room, whenever you're doing an audition, you really only have the casting director and an associate or an assistant that's reading for you and that's it. But the amount of anxiety, I think it's just, I've gotten much better within this very impersonal space at trying to create very meaningful personal connections. Mm-hmm. And now that I, I feel like I've been conditioned in this way. So now when I'm sitting in a room with people, I'm like, oh, it's just so much energy. You guys are doing yeah. much to me. Like, <laughs> it's coming so in waves. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely uh, agree. I think it's a big energy difference, but still it requires you to be on your game. And that was one thing that I was going to mention is, you know, because you had talked about when you're in these classes with these casting directors, you have to kind of know what you're doing, right? Or you're going to flounder and everyone's going to know you weren't prepared. Honestly, like it was at the beginning of this year that story happened to me like before before like you know i i started acting three years ago and i still don't have a process that i know like know to go to or whatever i'm still like trying to figure stuff out and at this time saying it back now my thing was not really memorizing lines too much it was more of like get the idea of the scene and everything and so then i go and take this class because I, I like in my mind i'm thinking back now like oh you know, pat his head. Oh my God. Um, but to me, I was like, this is going to help me like, you know, stand out. Like I'm going to feel the emotions. And I floundered. I literally was like, not ready. And they stopped me after like three lines and were like, I'm not going to say you didn't do work, but you're not prepared. Ah! And you're just like, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm <laughs> at gonna... this point, at, the, at that point, I was like, you got me. Right. I was like, you got me. You know, I, I can't say anything. You know, you're right. Um, and I didn't make any excuses like, oh, this, that, and the other, just because I knew that I didn't do the necessary, like, memorization and understanding of the lines reading through it so much. It was more of, like, uh, experimenting with something, which I think, like, is that something that you had to do when you were, like, still, like, learning? I think, I think the way that I learned acting, I learned with Lon Bumgardner and Charlotte. So he's, he is like my mentor, my teacher. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm, and I've been a little bit more diligent about reaching out and learning from different people within this time. Mm -hmm. He has always foundationally been, um, you know, where I built from. So he was always very objective, intention-based. What do you want? How are you going to get it? you know, make sure that you maneuver into your technique. And mm -hmm. so, but I had no sense of, to me, I had created, cleaved this relationship and I was like, oh yeah, this is acting. And then I was like, auditioning is a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah it is, but you still need to do that prep work to some scale to be able to prove to whoever you're auditioning for that like, I'm a skilled actor. I have things in my toolbox. I can pull them out for you and I can show you. That's mm -hmm. the only, that's the only purpose your audition serves. And so, yeah. like you said, if you do, you know, subpar work and preparation work and you show up, they'll be like, well, I mean, clearly it's either a skill of like, you didn't take it seriously or you're not there yet to where you know, I trust that if I put you in the room with the director that you'd be able to take that direction. Mm -hmm. um, once I started kind of looking at it like that, it kind of changed the game for me. So my prep work, whenever I was auditioning was always the same. I was like, learn the lines because yeah. they need to know every, every prep. Yeah. Right, right, message received, message received. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would like every proposition needs to be, you know, every, um, every word, every adverb needs to be said exactly like this. And I was like, so mm -hmm. hell bent on that. Cause I didn't want to do that wrong yeah. that I would, if I, and I did this a few weeks ago, I watched back some of my auditions from a while ago mm -hmm. and I was really, I was embarrassed watching. Cause I was like, there's nothing there. What are you doing this whole time? So like, no wonder I didn't book any of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no wonder nobody saw anything in me. Um, 
but yeah, over, over the last little bit, like that process has definitely had to change. I think it only takes being in class with one casting director, grilling another actor going, okay, um, why, what is your intention here? And, and what is the obstacle? And they're like, I'm scared. And she's like, why are you scared? What happened? What happened five years ago? And then you're like, oh, we're supposed to do, we're supposed to know what happened to scare five far? years ago. <laughs> yeah, the backstory um, is saying. Yeah. Right. And they're like, they're like, fundamentally, like, what happened to you as a child? I was like, I didn't, I don't know how to do any of that. Isn't the director going to tell me that? Right, right. I was like, aren't you going to, aren't you going to tell But in those moments, like, we have to make those choices. And it's, it's not so much, is it the right or wrong choice, but how hard are you leaning into that? And so, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a trip trying to learn how to do that prep work on some scale to audition for a part that you might not ever get. And I think that's the worst part about acting. You get no feedback ever. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess I messed it up because I didn't hear anything about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about auditioning, um, let's say, you know, you get this part sent to you, like you're that character. Like, Eden is this person, you're going to crush it. What are some things that you have to be aware of outside of just the creative aspects? You've mentioned, like, having your own setup now at home. That, you know, what are some of those things that people need to also be aware of? Because even if you're, like, you're that character, you're going to, like, you need the role. It's yours. But you send in a video and the audio is bad or like your lighting's trash. Like you might not even get seen. Like they might just skip it and move to the next person. Right. 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 Yeah. I think, I think there are a lot of components to, to just auditioning period um, where it really, as much as we talk about, you know, building this backstory and doing all this stuff, like, like you said, if the lighting is trash and they can't see you, you've got seven seconds to get these people's attention. And if they don't, if they can't see you in the first seven seconds, then like, mm-hmm. bye. And I know yeah. a lot of casting directors, if you ask them in Q&A sessions, all actors want to know, do you watch the whole thing, right? And all mm-hmm. these casting directors are always like, yeah, we watched every single tape, all, all eight minutes of it. And I was like, no, you don't. You know, in the first 30 seconds, if you're going to watch another seven minutes and 30 seconds of this tape, because, you know, from then on, did you get my attention? And I think it takes a very patient person if they truly watch it all the way through to do that. And so, yeah, from a technical aspect, you need to be heard. You need to um, your lighting needs to be good. And it's so funny because that is something that comes out with audition instructions every single time. They say, make sure your framing is right. Make sure we can see your eyes. Make sure you have great lighting and we can hear you. Yet people continue to fail to do that. And I'm, and that just like blows my mind. I was like, wondering why they aren't getting any callbacks. Right, right. I'm like, well, because you're this big on on your tape. And like, they can see all the crap that's sitting on your bed. Action figures on the back. (laughs) Yeah. Behind you and stuff. I think it's also really important whenever you're auditioning for something, especially when it comes down to like network TV or film down here, a lot of people are like, you know, the breakdown comes through and like in Kenneth's situation, it might be like, Brian, age 25 to 28, was a, uh, you know, struggling with drug addiction or something like that. And then he just like leans into that, right? I'm going to create this 
character with drug addiction and works through the scene. But nobody, you have to be diligent about like, what show are you on? Watch a couple episodes of it. Go back and look at other things that that particular writer has written before or that director has directed before so that you can kind of navigate, okay, I have a feeling like pacing wise, it's going to look very different like this. Like everyone knows when, if, whenever you watch a Sorkin film, if you're auditioning for a Sorkin film, you better talk hella fast, right? <laughs> the moment you talk like a normal person, th there's no way you're getting past that. So it's important to always make sure that, yeah, you create this character and you do a great audition, but also do the legwork because somebody else is doing it, right? And mm -hmm. that's how they're going to figure out how to add that little extra layer to their audition. Yeah. So you're saying outside of the creative, building your character, outside of the technical, making sure your setup is good, you also need to be familiar with the production as much as maybe is available to you. Yeah, yeah. And very seldom do we get a whole lot of information, right? Like sometimes we end up just getting straight up dummy sides. They're like, just do this thing, which proves my point of it's not about getting this character right and making the perfect choice. It's proving to the casting director that you're skilled enough to do something different. And that's all mm -hmm. they need to see, right? Yeah. So sometimes you end up getting dummy sides. Sometimes like even if you, you they'll, you can ask for a full script, they'll, they'll very seldom give it to you, right? Mm -hmm. But you will know who you're who you're auditioning for and what production you're auditioning for. So it's important, I think, tonally, like whenever I ended up getting an audition for Dynasty, I never watched Dynasty before. I wouldn't ever watch Dynasty on purpose. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's not what I want to consume. However, it was important for me to watch that, navigate and figure out who the main character is that I'm going to be talking opposite. What are typically her choices and how does she typically act? And how mm -hmm. am I going to navigate that with my character? Yeah. You know, I think things like that are super important. Yeah. yeah, that that was something that I think, you know, as I continue uh, to learn more and more and understand the industry more and like the auditioning process, definitely having a, a, an idea of how the tone impacts it, because I don't think a lot of people really, you know, think about that. I think that's a really great tip because, you know, I think many people, they'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to audition and, you know, straight off the dome, whatever I think it is, I'm going to do it. Uh, but having that extra layer of, okay, I understand where it's coming from. And this is where, you know, I need to show that I can be in that world. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, auditioning for an indie feature, like an indie romance is your, the tone and mood, which is like words that actors generally hate is like um it's gonna feel very different than doing a procedural like ncis and you know certain choices and certain styles that you're gonna come up against so within within the realm of making your own very confident choices and leaning into that you still have to have some awareness of the world that you're walking into because you know auditioning for a sorkin film like you're you know, auditioning for a Duplass film is going to feel very different mm -hmm. and, and it's going to, it's going to reflect in your work. So like you're almost asking for in a, in a world where it's so oversaturated there, they get 3000 auditions per role, you know, several thousand auditions, um, in a world where it's, it's like that you, you're almost asking for race above and beyond when you're asking for a casting director to be extra patient with you until you get there because mm -hmm. if it's if it's a you know a, a pool of 3,000 people like 
200 of them figured it out. They watched yeah. the show. They know what they're doing. And now mm -hmm. you're like, I'm so good. Love me anyway. They're like, yeah. we don't have time to teach you this. Yeah, they figure it out. Right. One example that I would have is when I was auditioning for Fall Nights, that the audition that I sent in for my second, for the callback that I had for that, um, I, it was the first scene where I'm leaving work and it's like, you know, my shift's over. I'm out of here. I'm done. I read that in the sense that, you know, and I think I also had some influence from my roommate who was like, try it this way. Um, but I, uh, I tried it in a more like aggressive, like just, I got to get out of here. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't stick around. I'm done. Right. My, I got to leave. I got a friend who's about to play and I tried it that way. And then I get a call like the next day from Alex and he's like, Hey man, um, just wanted to say you were very aggressive in the tape. Uh, here's a little <laughs> backstory about the character. Like you guys actually are like on cool terms. Like you're not upset with him. And I was like, all right, I got you. No problem. I understand now. But that was the thing is, um, I, I think as an actor, when you're going into a project, especially like an indie where the director may not have a very extensive catalog uh, that you can look at like a Sorkin, um, but it's making these decisions and making these choices that's just, you know, it, I think that's one thing that scares a lot of actors. So it, as someone who started like, you know, when I was starting out, the whole thing was, you know, going to these classes, they would keep saying, you know, you got to make choices. You got to make big choices. You got to do all this, that, and the other. I had no idea what they were talking about in the fact that how do I know what exactly is a choice? Is a choice like a movement? Is it like a huge, like, you know, I, I, I it was, a, it was something I didn't know, but now I'm starting to realize it's a lot more nuanced and a lot more like, you know, of the character, what are the choices you make in how they perceive the situation, the relationships, all this other sort of stuff. But I definitely agree that, um, you know, it's hard for an actor to tell what they want, right? So you have to give them the best interpretation of what you feel is right, right? Right, yeah, 100%. I think, um, yeah, I mean, because there is really no right or wrong choice because it's so subjective. And at the end of the day, you can do a fantastic quote unquote audition, really nail it. And you could look like their ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend. They'll be like, I just don't like your face. That's why I'm not going to push you through to the next round. And that's yeah. the reality that we have to deal with. Um, and I think it's one of those things where like having the awareness and realizing that it, we really only have so much control over what that final decision is mm -hmm. has really kind of released for me, at least the anxiety of like making things perfect and just yeah. really leaning in and having a lot of fun with it. Cause I remember, um, a few months ago before all this kicked up, um, I ended up auditioning for like this huge feature film, like this a 24 feature film that was, um, yeah. and I was auditioning for the lead and I was, and it was very, very niche, right? Like Mm -hmm. My age bracket, she had to be bilingual and speak English and Korean. And it was mm -hmm. like an indie romance. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is, this is <laughs> it mine. Was yeah, it was mine. And <laughs> and I remember the whole process and, and Trey was there for like all of it. I was so nervous and so anxious about making it perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and then doing another read for them and then not getting it. And that moment of not getting the callback and them going, 
we decided we're going to go in a different direction. We really appreciate, you know, and, and now you're on our radar. That I spent like a week and a half just being an anxious wreck, wanting <laughs> to know if I got to go to the next level. And I think that moment was a huge awakening for me because at that point in time, I realized it will never matter how much you want it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just not going to get it. And that yeah. was, and that was the moment where I was like, well then like, screw this. Why am I stressing out so much? If the point of the whole thing is to have fun, to be very, very grounded and to continue to work at something that you you love so much. Mm-hmm. We have such a non-linear quote unquote path to success whenever we're acting and, and what is success for it's so different for everyone. So it's like yeah. considering that we have no quantitative measure of when we've quote unquote made it or when we feel like we should be happy. I feel like, you know, having that confidence within yourself and then also just being very confident in the fact that the, the process is never really going to be totally yours. Mm-hmm. It just really frees you up to, you know, make those choices, those nuances, whatever that is for you. And, um, just really enjoy building, building someone else, you know? You yeah. said that was the most relieving no you've ever gotten, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Th- them going, thank you, but no, was, I really felt like it was just pivotal. Cause I was like, Oh, truly, truly, truly. Mm-hmm. I will. It, it really doesn't matter how perfect you think something is for you because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the pool is really small, but like every other Korean American bilingual actress in New York, LA, down in the Southeast who auditioned for it, we all thought it was perfect for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and to realize that like as small as that pool was and feeling like it was like our calling, right? And then mm-hmm. not getting it. Um, yeah, from then on, I really was just like, dude, screw this. I'm just going to have yeah. fun. <laughs> whatever that process is, right? Like building the character, going for objectives and obstacles and all these different things. And, and the terminology mm-hmm. changes based off of who you study with, but um, really trying to figure out like what works for me and how am I going to make it happen has been um, I, a really freeing process, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you said, years down the road you still you still get an audition you're like I don't really know how I'm gonna go about this but I guess I'll just start reading it and so every everyone's process is really different and I always love learning about everyone else's way of navigating new material you know yeah so you you get through the audition you get the callback maybe a second third callback depending on how you know rigorous the weeding out processes at some point the ball actually falls into your court and now it's you choosing if you want to be part of the production right right and talk about what for you and obviously like if it's a damien chazelle movie you're doing it like quentin tarantino you're doing it doesn't matter like what he's telling you to do um but on you know, more independent projects, uh, indie feature or shorts even, like what are you looking for once you get to that point and like the role is yours to accept? What are you looking for from the production? What things make you feel good about a project actually releasing first off? And secondly, you know, being something that you want to add to your reel or, you know, really like share with the world? Um. 
for me, I feel like I feel like a lot of it is the people that you end up working with. There are certain there's certain topics and and material that straight from the get-go, whenever I get an audition, like I I just know I'm not gonna do it, right? Like there are certain things where they're like, Do you wanna be this sex worker? who is like performing oral sex on this guy in a back alleyway and asking for more drugs. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care how difficult it would be for me to build that character and how much of a challenge it would be. I just don't want to do it. Like, that's just not one of those things I want. This film is forever, right? Mm-hmm. Someone will always be able to find it. And I was like, out of context, even in context, I don't know if that's something that I want for myself. But let's say I'm auditioning for a project that I really like. And, you know, not, not only do I feel a certain kinship to the character that I've been asked to audition for at the end of the day, it really comes down to the people. Like I love being able to see proof of concept and and knowing that they have done things before that I respect that I would have watched, you know, without being asked to. And then also knowing that, that, process of creating this is going to be fun. I think whenever you're in in this space where you feel really, really alone while you're trying to figure out what your individual passion is, right? Like the, the thing that makes you happy and the thing that sets your soul on fire, it's so important to find people that subsequently continue to inspire that in you and also give you new things to motivate you. And so finding a director or you know, working with the crew that outside of, you know, being on set and doing really great work and showing up and being dependable, knowing that you're going to find people that you would want to be friends with, that you would want to mm-hmm. continue to navigate this process with, I think is the most important thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because like, especially as talent, quote unquote talent, when you work on the walk on the set, like crew people don't to you <laughs> like no. like like the grip and the gaff like they they will never volunteer like voluntarily mm-hmm. walk up and go like hey how are you today you 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 talk to the sound guy who's like i'm gonna mic you and i'm probably gonna accidentally touch your boob i'm really sorry and you're just like <laughs> just do what you gotta do man but outside of that like there's there's a there's sometimes unless you really push against it there's just a weird dynamic between cast and crew you know like the people mm-hmm. who show up tell the story and then the people who are there figuring out how, how to make that work behind the scenes the technical mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think more than anything like if i find a couple people where i'm like yeah i could hang out with them for a week or for a few days and love every second of it and know that i can walk away i can never see this film which is the probability of that is always usually high when you're working in the indie space like you might never yeah. see your footage mm-hmm. um knowing that like you get you're there, whether you're paid or unpaid, building that relationship, knowing that once you walk away, you can, you can call on that again, or you can continue to support that person because you really, really like them. I think that's always been a huge decision maker for me. I really don't, I really don't care at this point anymore about getting like really good real footage. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't motivate me at all to work with people that I don't, I don't really, um, like <laughs> like right. like i'm not gonna put up with it just because i'm like but I, but this coverage would look really great though i don't think it matters that much yeah if you're not having fun like how worth it is it right right 
Yeah, I, I definitely think that when I'm uh, looking through the breakdowns and everything, I it's the same thing that you mentioned in the beginning is like, I, I'm one of those people where if I see a typo, I'm kind of like questioning <laughs> them. I'm sorry, but I see one typo, two typos, three typos. And then even like there was someone who sent me a project and I, I definitely can understand when there's some like give and take and when I'm being a little too like stingy with what I accept. But this person, she had, or he or she had sent me a uh, the sides, and it was a PNG of a screenshot of the sides on their oh phone. Oh boy! And I was like, uh, "You're never gonna so, see that isn't project." Isn't it so weird though? Like how, um, which we always create qualifiers and disqualifiers for everything in our life, right? Like mm-hmm. as much as people say, "I don't judge," you do judge. That's how mm-hmm. you decide and parse out what you are going to spend your time doing or not doing, and. It's I. It's really refreshing to hear that you create your own set of disqualifiers, whether you have whether you tell people or not. Because mm-hmm. I also feel like a lot of actors have this really they have a scarcity mindset, so mm-hmm. they feel like they need to do every single project that's offered to them, for mm-hmm. you know, um, for no pay or pay or whatever. And like if it's like one of us and we're like, hey, I'm gonna shoot this thing. Can you like come out and just chill and and be a part of this like I'd be there five days a week if that was the case because like I love working with you know certain people but a lot of actors also have this scarcity mindset where they're just like yeah I mean I'm just gonna do it where I'm like this is your this is your art if it is right this is your craft you get to choose the things that you want to do and don't want to do and by leaning really hard into doing everything that comes your way you're you're devaluing what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And very seldom do the people who take every single opportunity, you you look at their work and go, wow, they're really astonishing and bravo, that performance was amazing. Every one of those roles was perfect. Right, Mm -hmm. right. It's it's just the fact that like, you, you, we, we get to choose. And, and I had this conversation with another actor friend of mine not too long ago, where, um, I had just auditioned for a feature where like at the end of the day, like even if I got the offer, I'd be like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I probably don't wanna do it, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, why do you even bother? And I was like, because I wanted to do a really great job for that casting director. And that was mm-hmm. it. I know what I wanted from that, right? Yeah. And um, and he had said like, if, you, if, if it was offered to you, it's a lead in an indie, why wouldn't you take it? And I'm like, because somebody else is gonna be really, really passionate about it. And they're gonna bring something so different to it that just the fact that my heart isn't in it, you're going to be missing a part of that. So why mm-hmm. would I want to commit myself to something like that and, you know, devalue the project for the director and the production team? Nobody wants somebody on their project that doesn't want to be there. You can go. There's right. more. Like, yeah. we can have somebody here who's going to love it. Mm-hmm. And they might not be, quote, unquote, technically as good, but at least they have that passion and that fire, and that usually makes up for it. Sometimes that's the beauty of projects where there's not a lot of monetary gain is everyone just genuinely wants to be there. And, you know, you're bringing such a passionate perspective, and that can really add something that no amount of technical or monetary value could so I think that's an important thing. Yeah, 100%. Do you think there's a lot of actors that just have, I don't know if it's a negative, but 
or even a wrong, but just like not the right mindset or perspective when they're trying to like pursue this thing? Oh, oof, that's a loaded question. Um, you don't have to say anyone's name. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I was gonna, I, I was gonna pull out my list. Out. No. Yes, name dropping all over. Yeah, I, I really, I guess it's, it's just like in every other profession, right? Like there are people who um, really take pride and ownership in what they do, and then there are people who just show up, punch the clock, and leave. And not that there's a right or wrong, but it's, I, I agree that there are people who go about it the wrong way. And not in the sense that like, this process is so individual that I can't say that what somebody does is right or wrong, right? As long as it works for them and, and it never infringes on what I'm doing, I don't really like they care. they did the job. Right, but... right. I think, I think my, biggest, my biggest issue is with, with actors who feel like they're done learning and, and they're done being, figuring out ways to get better and I think that's a really dangerous place to be. I think that's a dangerous mm -hmm. place to be in life. And you make the comparison to nursing. Like I've been an ER nurse for over seven years now, but I'm, I'm never done learning. There is not one day that I go by and go, I know everything. Because I'm so moment, thankful that you're still learning. Yeah. Like doctors, <laughs> like lawyers, engineers, right. like it's that's, a necessary thing. Yeah. And, and that's how you end up having growth. Um, I think there are people that just go about it the wrong way because they figure like, especially within, you know, a smaller space and within a smaller subset region, they figure like, oh, my friend makes movies. I'm going to be in my friend's movie. And now I'm an actor. Well, mm -hmm. for everyone else who decides to take it seriously and professionally and pursues education and really trying to figure out how to do it, um, it, de it devalues that. And I think the question that a lot of actors really need to ask themselves is like, why are you doing it? You know, if, if, if I held a crystal ball in front of you and said 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years down the road till the day you die, you are never going to win an Oscar. You are never going to be in a big feature. Nobody will ever know your name from an acting capacity. Do you still want to do it? And I feel like a lot of people be like, screw this because, because yeah. a lot of people who gravitate to acting um, as much as like, as in the beginning, you have this crippling anxiety of watching yourself, but you do it because you want some, some kind of attention. Right. And for, if you were to ask that question, honestly, to people, and it's not a matter of your answer, pleasing or displeasing someone. And you say, you will never get this thing that you said that you wanted. Do you still want to spend hours, um, every single week learning and growing in this space, is this, is this going to be fulfilling enough for you? There are more than enough people who would walk away and they'd be like, I'll do something else where people will remember me, where I yeah. make some sort of benchmark here. And, um, and it's frustrating when people who I know truly would walk away if they never got those opportunities are the ones that garner the most attention in this space, while a lot of other you know, filmmakers and actors in all capacity are just diligently doing the work, right? And trying to move the needle closer to whatever their personal gauge of success is. Yeah. Just, you know, you hear the dog that barks the loudest. And I feel like that's a lot of what happens yeah. in this space, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that blurry line between hobbyist to like passionate, inspired actor. 
that can be there as well, which right. is it's a little bit disheartening, even mm-hmm. from my perspective. You know, you want to find people that if they could do anything else, they would be, and you want to have the actors that want to be there on your project. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you if you call it what it is and you say that you're a hobbyist, and you're like, I like doing this thing from time to time, and you can keep that in perspective. I think that's good, but sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it just devalues it for a lot of other people. But at the end of the day, like, I don't really care, right? Like, I'm just gonna continue doing what I want to yeah. do and what what I feel called to do. So, um, I think comparison. They say like, what comparison is the thief of joy? Like, I've stopped doing that. Like, it's yeah. it's never gonna work in my favor. There will always be someone who in my eyes is going to be more talented, more deserving, um, who has worked harder as far as I'm concerned than I have. And if I constantly am gauging where I am in my life based off of where other people are in their lives, then, you know, I, all it does is further feed into like this perpetual imposter syndrome that I have, which is just going to kill me, you know? Yeah. I am keenly aware of the imposter syndrome that lurks in many, many actors. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, we, we, we have to create from a place of pain and we just apparently just like to sit <laughs> in a corner and just stab ourselves and we're like, it hurts, it hurts. But exactly. this is where I'm going to create my most, you know, st- material yeah. most substance. I just wanted to touch on kind of one more thing with acting and then I wanted to pivot a little bit because you do more than acting (laughs) or at least you've tried your hand at more than acting. So uh, last thing with this is, and maybe you don't, you know, have one yet, but is there like a certain role or character that you've seen someone play or maybe you haven't seen played yet and you want to see portrayed like, is there a certain thing that you're trying to aspire to eventually, just like your own personal goals? Um, maybe it's in a certain genre or something like that. Um, like a, a particular character that I want to see and that I would love to portray. Sure. Maybe one that you've seen or one that you haven't seen, but you feel like should be shown. I think, I think what I want to see instead of it being a particular character or a particular person is just a general, um, a general movement into normalizing different minority representation in, in the, the landscape of film and TV. And I know we're very slowly moving the needle towards that, but like, you know, you don't, you don't get to see a film where your lead is, like an Asian American woman, unless the whole cast and crew is Asian American. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen that way. Or it has to lean as far as it being like a very cultural piece. It's not a particular character um, or person that I necessarily want to see or play. It's just a general normalization of just like Asian American representation, especially in US and American film, because. Mm-hmm. You know, the the exposure, we just don't have, you know, Korean-American or Chinese-American stories where your lead is of a different ethnic background and you, mm-hmm. you, you don't explain that with a, 
with a cultural reason as to why the film exists in the first place, right? Like, so Crazy Rich Asians was like its own sensation because of, um, you know, how Hollywood like really leaned into it. However, it was about a very cultural, you know, wedding. And then even with The Farewell, fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Aquafina was fantastic. But then there's also just the component of it. Like the whole film exists because of, this component of Chinese culture. You're talking about having like a book smart and like the lead or co-lead is just a Korean girl. Right. Like there's no premise behind it. Yeah. And don't, don't, don't explain it. Right. Because that's mm-hmm. how we're going to start normalizing where we fall. And I think normalizing and kind of, you know, changing the representation that way is the only way to do it. But it's also, you know, it's it's a little bit at a time. And I, I definitely don't feel as, like, impassioned and angry about it. This is just the way the world has been for, mm-hmm. for however long it's been and the way that our society has been. Do I think there is progress to be made? Absolutely. Am I sitting here pitching a fit because there's only so many Asian people in a particular show? No, because I don't think it's a reflection of what I do as a person and I also don't want what, you know, what I bring for my acting to be seen. Um, like, I don't want my ethnicity be, to be seen as a particular handicap, right? Like, I don't want to be hired into a project specifically because they have a, a certain quota of minorities that they want on a yeah. particular project. I want to I get it because I was the best one for it. Mm-hmm. And, and it needs to be easier to, to open that pool and allow everybody, um, you know, just minorities in general to be able to open the pool and go, we're going to focus on finding the, the best person. And if the best person happens to be a minority, great. And if it ends up not being a minority, great. And I think that the biggest thing is just like changing the intention. And that's just also something that like, we'll never know on our end, right? Like yeah. there's no yeah. way for us to know from a, from an acting perspective, if the casting director or the production or the director have really leaned into it. Mm-hmm. Because there's that whole debate out there about, you know, when you are casting, like being specific about a certain uh, ethnicity or even gender. And some people are on one side saying just it needs to be open. Like whoever's best comes in, they do a good job. Like that's who it is. Mm -hmm. And then others are saying like, oh, no, like I wrote this character is a black guy and right. like, it needs to be a black guy. So, right. Mm-hmm. I, and I think at that point in time, it's like, it's hard to say because like, do I, do I want the pool open for everyone to kind of do their best work from an acting perspective? A hundred percent. Right. Like that's how sure. you end up giving everyone a fair opportunity. But I also get it from a from a creative and from a director or writer standpoint, like the person who erected the story had a very specific intention. And just because somebody has built a character and a culture around, you know, someone like the lead or, you know, supporting character, and they very intentionally saw that this, you know, that this small boy has to be like um, of Indian descent or, you know, or that the lead who is in this buddy film like they want it to be like this dichotomy of having like a white guy and a black guy together 
-hmm. you can't go back to them and go, why are you doing this racist thing? Because once again, like you're not, you never know why people do what they do. So like just the intention. Right. And so whenever people start freaking out about stuff like that, it's just like, fine, then make your own thing and make everything Mm -hmm. open ethnicity and then do whatever you want with it. That's the beauty of it is you can forge your own path if that's something you're really like, you know, for or against. Right. And I also think to some extent, like, I think people are just really into being really upset nowadays. Like they just, they just are so into fighting about something. I haven't seen any fighting. What are you talking about? That's true. What am I talking about? You know what I mean? Like, Everything's great. Oh my God. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's in every industry and in every field, you're going to find something that you're frustrated with. I just, I just know that like, all I can do is hope that, um, that the industry is moving in a certain direction that I hopefully in the future work with people who have that intention at heart and then mm-hmm. just put my best foot forward because um, I think, and I think people are innately good. I think people innately want things to be fair and that might be a naive mindset to have, but I also can't function in a world and can't function in an industry where I feel like people are constantly keeping me down. That's just not how I've, I've been. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. might as well have a, you know, a, a mindset of abundance about the whole thing and then just put your best foot forward, you know? Yeah beautifully said talk talk to us a little bit about how it was directing live and that project what it meant to you in a whole oh so i get five minutes but it's like the most loaded question <laughs> <laughs> well start out with like tell us you know what it is and yeah yeah um live was my directorial debut we ended up shooting it in november of last year um it was I think as actors, we are innately driven to this craft because we love storytelling. And I've always wanted to direct, but I was like, I don't know anything about anything. I didn't go to film school. What do I know? And so there was that imposter syndrome that we talk about just creeping into that space. But with the support of a lot of my friends, um, just unconditional support at that point they were like it could look like garbage and we don't care just try it Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard to not seize that opportunity and go great I mean if everybody's in my corner I might as well give it a shot and so Mm -hmm. it's it's a little like a micro love story about um, you know a little bit of kismet and a serendipity component of of meeting and and where does fate take us and and just from a, a general relatable standpoint about being stuck in a rut and learning how to be inspired to move yourself out of that space. Mm-hmm. And so directing it was one of the, the most exhausting, most exhilarating things. The moment I was, the, the 10 to 12 weeks leading up to it, I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I am so <laughs> frazzled. I was like, I'm losing weight in a not good way. <laughs> Um, I wasn't sleeping and I was just so stressed out because when you direct something to that scale, because it was very, very ambitious over three days, we had over, I feel like seven location changes in cast and crew. We had over four, like 40 to 50 people involved. And so for my first short, it, it wasn't a two character in one room kind of thing. Pretty ambitious. Yeah. I decided to go really, really big. And so. 
Which is only fitting, by the way. Right. And so when when you're when you have an undertaking of that size with that many people, there's a there's a part of you that feels a sense of duty to do right by everyone that shows up. And so mm-hmm. that was what was crushing me leading up to that. You know, mm. what if we do all this and it's all for nothing and people show up and they're like, This is garbage, you know? Yeah. However, I felt like um, it's all a blur. Thank gosh for BTS footage because I don't oh, remember. That's what we did that day. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's all a blur. But you know, having everybody come back and a lot of people came in for um, little to no pay, and people were just there, like meeting each other and being a part of that that energy. And for to be done with a two day shoot to return the following week and have everyone show up that following Saturday going, I was waiting for today all week. I was Mm -hmm. like, really for your 5 a.m. call time to be here for 16 hours, (laughs) that's what you're waiting for, for no pay. Um, Having that level of energy. And I think I was really blessed on my first project because you always think you're never going to love, nobody is ever going to love this project as much as you. Mm-hmm. And I was so blessed because I really feel like everybody gave me a run for my money. I was like, I think you guys all love this a lot too. And they did. And so uh, as soon as I was done, I was like, I want to do it again. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do it again. I think I need a break. <laughs> yeah. I think I need a nap for a month. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually, you know, I don't know if we mentioned this, but that's where us, our three of us, like we kind of got to converse yeah, and I know Kenneth beforehand, but um, he came out and helped us on Live. And by the way, you're uh, featured, my friend. We definitely <laughs> yeah, see like, your face. I was like, who is this handsome devil? How are you? Nice to meet you. Okay, I will see, I'll see you at the end of the day. Bye. And I ran away. <laughs> you, you had mentioned before, like, uh, you know, when you're, you have dedicated people uh, on a project and you know who they are, definitely Trey and... Gavin, I knew them and they mentioned this project and I was like, hey, if they they're cool people with me, if they're uh, with, you know, Trey and Gavin, I showed up and literally I was blown away because when I step on set and I see, you know, if I see two to three people only for like crew and everything and that there's not much going on, I, was, I get a little scared. But even still, like you as a director running around doing all this stuff, I felt so like safe on set. I was like, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about this project at all because I knew how dedicated you were to it, right? And that was something that I loved on set was just watching you work because I was like, I, I just feel so safe on set. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think it's, it's, it was a tall ask for everyone to come out, but um, I think the experience really, the preparation leading up to it really lent to that feeling and the feeling so you're of saying pre production is important. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> so important. Yeah. And like, Trey is like a lot of last people minute. Don't do it. Right. And so, <laughs> and I could not imagine going on to set and not having done what we did in order to, to have the experience that we did. And the big thing was having everybody come in and it was, it was such a tall ask for everyone to commit to the level that they did that I was also really, really diligent or I tried to be above and beyond about making sure that people knew that I appreciated what they were doing. And it's just the little things, right? Like even Kelvin, our DP, I was, 
walking into it as a new director and you know looking at it with fresh eyes you realize that you will never make something of that scale unless you really really trust the people that you're with mm-hmm. and showing Preach. up yeah seriously and showing up and going like I know I don't know anything about this so <laughs> I'm gonna let you do the thing that you are fantastic at mm-hmm. and, and these are the little things that I really really want to see but otherwise I 100% trust you mm-hmm. and and being genuine in that I think was really, really important because even with Kelvin being, you know, our, our DP, yeah. And our cinematographer, there was like, I worked with him from a, you know, DP actor standpoint before, but we had prepped so much. And when we had shown up on set, I, he would just show me what the framing would look like. I'd be like, Oh, you're a genius. Thank you. Yes. That is exactly what I wanted. And, and really, really building people up in that space is like people will work so hard for you if they know that you love what they do, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that you're very passionate about their contribution. And so every single person that had shown up and, and just been present, there are moments looking back where I'm like, I could have spent a little bit of extra time saying thank you. Um, but it's also <laughs> so, so tough. Like you said, showing up and and trying to navigate all that space and all those people Mm -hmm. um all i all you can do is your best and and i don't know i could i could not have asked for a better group of people to do that whole first thing with and um especially with how ginormous it was and even like in posts you know like we have adam our editor and and (laughs) brian working on our sound and it's like a lot of it is i know i don't know anything about this and i trust that you're going to make this look and sound fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell me you did your absolute best, I believe you. And yeah. they have been so patient with us throughout this whole process. So yeah. really exciting. Uh, the post just for live specifically has been my first kind of experience with everyone being like remote. So none of the work there's been as far as I know, no like in-person meetings. Maybe one time you and Eden, or sorry, Eden and Adam might have met up. But um, to see how well communication has gone without ever actually seeing each other has been kind of pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah. And like given me faith that, you know, on other projects moving forward, that that's, a viable option even at this level yeah mm-hmm. no i uh, adam and i actually never got to meet right when we were scheduling our in-person meeting to go through um making changes towards our final cut was when everything kind of started happening and it only made sense to you know make sure that we respect everybody's personal boundaries and keep it remote and i agree it's been it's been a process because you know we shot it in november here we are towing the end of august and by the end of august we're hoping to be locked and everything be good to go but you know in the midst of people facing individually and not even necessarily people that have been working on the project in post production but watching people navigate unemployment and watching people navigate you know new health concerns and stuff like that it has definitely lengthened our timeline significantly because we were hoping to be done with this by spring you know Mm -hmm. and then everything started kicking in and but 
but like you said, moving forward, it, it creates, it's, it's amazing how people pull through when you ha- don't have an option to do it any other way. Mm-hmm. how people manage to step up to the plate and really just wow you because our communication has been very tight and moving the needle as close as we are to this final cut. Like I still have to watch the color cut because I was too preoccupied this morning. I'm getting I'm, my comments ready. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm super excited to see it. And I'm also excited for like everyone to see it, you know, between yeah. the the four of us, between, you know, Adam, Brian, and then like, Honestly, just you and me, like I haven't really shown it to Mike or Gavin either. Um, the fact that like nobody's seen it is just like really exciting because I've seen it a bajillion times and it looks so ridiculously boring to me now. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm so tired of this. The and 20th watch, it kind of loses yeah. a little edge on Yeah, you're just like, I don't think this is fascinating or interesting at all. But um, I think I, I'm excited for everyone to see it just to be like, hey, we did this together. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, and that's not why I made it. It was the first the first goal of it was, can I do it with the help of my friends? And we did. And that was that was goal number one yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Seeing that whole process from an idea to final lot cut on the screen, that's... It's That's an accomplishment. Yeah, it's bizarre. You know, it takes a village, and we're Kenneth, coming up are on you that. gonna are you gonna direct something? Um, I'm 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 writing stuff, and like I really I'm starting to read books on directing. Like I, cause I just love working with people in general, and I think being a director is one of those where and communication is really key. So I think I got a a lot to work on there. Um, but at some point I will, but. I don't know. I joked with him earlier. I said, I'll produce it. I'm already waiting. <laughs> Ray is the best producer that you oh. could ever, ever, ever ask for. He got, he got the middle oh, shoot. folders. The weight just fell on my shoulders over Dude, here. Dude, you don't even know. Like, I, I mean, small anecdotal tale. Um, we were we were locking into like our last couple weeks leading up to our first weekend. And I was like, we need a diner. That's when you're like, but clinches. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, you don't understand. We have nowhere else to go but a diner, and we need a diner. And um, our location had fallen through. Or we hadn't really even gotten to move the needle. And I had given Trey, I had said, I really need a diner. This is one of the last locations we need to lock. I am freaking out. Can you figure this out for me? And I want to say in, what, like, 36 hours he was like i have a diner it's locked we're good to go for sunday and i was like who are you <laughs> who are you and how did you just do that that was just like his god finding London. favor in me oh my That's god that was. and but that was with without like trey stepping in last minute for that and like being on set and um you know between me yelling at people, Gavin yelling at people for me, and Trey not yelling at people, but keeping everyone in order. I was like, this is this is how you make it work. Like you just need and like and we had this conversation. Just yell at too. Right. Just yell at them. Yell at everybody and then say sorry <laughs> later. But that but that was the conversation we also had too of like uh we all walked into it like, you know, our primary production team, like I walked in as a first-time director. Gavin walked into it as a first-time AD. Mike 
who is a director, walked into it as a first-time actor, and Trey was producing for the first time to the scale. It's almost like moving in with your best friends. It could have filled <laughs> everything, right? Like, I really like you, but I can't live with you. And it was mm, yeah. so comforting to know. We sat at the diner this, at the end of the second day, and I was like, we could have all filled each other, you know? This could have gone horribly wrong. And I think Trey had said, he said, I was 100% confident we were going to be fine. And I was like, I was not. I love you guys. <laughs> I was not. And it was going to be okay. But, um, yeah, that was... I think that was a, a super, super cool way to realize that like we could definitely continue to support each other creatively under whatever scope, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Nice. So yeah, uh, what are some like advice that you would give for like actors, especially like someone who's going into their first directorial uh, debut, just like we were talking about, what are some things you would give to people looking to either enter the industry or stuff like that looking to enter the industry as an actor yeah. or as let's go a, with the actor yeah um i think it's very important to create very meaningful relationships i think it's always important i think a lot of times acting itself can be very selfish and i think it's very easy to be very self-serving you know, show up mm -hmm. and you're like, what, what, what do I get today? What do I walk yeah. away from? Because mm -hmm. in the beginning, when you're just starting, everyone is barking at you to build a reel, build a reel, get footage, build a reel. So your mindset is always, yeah, I'm doing this project, but what do I get from it? Mm -hmm. So I think for, you know, people who are interested in pursuing acting from the get go, I think it's always important to, to seek learning opportunities and to learn from people that you trust. There is no right or wrong. You just have to figure out what works best for you. But then also walk into every relationship that you that you start to create and try to figure out how you can serve other people. I think that's the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, figure out what you can give to others without waiting for something to come back to you. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of always been my mindset in business outside of acting because I've done other stuff before. And perhaps it's more of like the empathy that built into me and why I was like drawn to do nursing anyway. But I think it's important to give of yourself without expecting and having your hand out waiting for something to come back. And I think yeah. in, in that way, the universe has the tendency to reward you tenfold. So, you know, building, building meaningful relationships and then also learning to say no, I think is very important. I think in mm -hmm. the beginning, and I don't know where I got the gall to, to tell people no from the get-go. It's just like, it's just like, I was like, no, I don't think I really like you. I don't think I really want to work with you. It mm. helps you narrow your field. And even if it is in the beginning, having a lot of bad experiences to figure out what it is that you really want, learning to say no, working with people that might be difficult from the get-go or having experiences that are less than ideal really helps you narrow your field to figuring out the people that you do want to work with. Mm -hmm. helps you learn the value of you know great friendships and and great support and then realizing like these are the things that I find to be the most important to me and these are the people that I want to build up mm -hmm. and that I want to build me up as well so I think forging and, and in line with just create your own opportunities like yeah you're waiting for somebody to hire you to to be in their short film or being their commercial, you're going to be waiting forever. 
Yeah. And from the get go, I was just like, I can't wait. Like that's never, that's never <laughs> been my thing. So from, from the beginning, I was like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my best work. And through the process of that, like, gosh, like I met Trey, I got to meet you. I got to work with wheelhouse and, um, you know, over with Studio awesome, Grey Blue. By the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they lent us their office for our shoot. And, Shout out wheelhouse. Yeah. And so there are so many, there's so many people that, um, that, and I think my, um, my work ethic or just my general personality kind of had kind of permeated, like people knew that I just like showed up, had a great time. And then I left, you know, and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, make anything out of nothing. Um, I would like to think that it was my work ethic that kind of got me in the room with a lot of people in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's important to show up, do really great work and don't mm-hmm. be an asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. the uh, takeaway. Yeah, the takeaway is don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the episode title. Uh, you know what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but then everyone who who knows me, like Mike is like, but she is an asshole. <laughs> why, is, why is this the title of this episode? But she is though. And then I'm on the other shoulder saying, you're actually like really nice. And she's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell anybody. But I just did. Boom. No, you told all your people. Yeah. Um, what are you, what's next? What, uh, got anything in the pipeline? In either side? Well, I mean, we're, we're gearing up to work on your short film here next month or into, into October at end of September into October that is long overdue. I mean, yep. what only, only six to seven months late. Talk about mm-hmm. learning how to work COVID. remotely. Gosh, Jeez. and now, um, you know, Brutal. working on that, I'm looking forward to that, but no, I mean, I think this is, this is one of those, once again, like one of those pathways where you're just like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what's next. Like unless a learning I'm, season. Yeah. Unless I'm doing something for myself, which, you know, I'm always writing and trying to do other things, but I, I don't know what's to come. I think this year has been, I know a lot of people have, you know, lost a lot of opportunities, but this year has been such a huge year of growth for me. Mm-hmm. And on a personal level, and in a way I can't really describe, just becoming more and more in tune with what it is that I want, how I want to go about getting it. And so for that, I'm super grateful. And who knows, man, like I could, I could go the rest and this is a crystal ball thing. I could go the next 10, 15 years and not book a single thing, but it's not going to make me not want to do this. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like acting and, and filmmaking only gets you more in tuned with your, your heart's desire, you know, and, and figuring mm-hmm. out what makes you really happy and, and growing and navigating that has been such a blessing so i'm gonna like make a bumper sticker out of that that was (laughs) (laughs) no i mean who knows i don't know what's to come hopefully lots of really cool stuff but if not i'm sure there will be cool stuff anyway yeah yeah i am confident that eden (laughs) lee is going to be making cool stuff very soon and cool stuff yeah so what is uh, something that you've been watching lately? Have you been streaming a lot? Um, 
So I listened to your last episode and I mm-hmm. told Trey I was really happy you guys covered the Emmys then because I don't care about the Emmys. <laughs> and, then, and then I told him that um, when the episode started and you said you didn't like The Office, I almost boycotted your show. <laughs> but no, my superpower is um, watching things when they're no longer relevant. Right. So I watched uh, most recently, I tied up and binge watched Atlanta and mm-hmm. Fleabag, and mm-hmm. they were both fantastic. I think Fleabag is one of the, my most favorite things I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> um, yeah. But right this second, my husband and I are watching Suits, which is, which is a oh, USA yeah, show. Um, oh my God. The only reason I sit through that is because like Gabriel Mock can like lawyer and yell at me any day of the week. But what that show is so terrible. But like we're we're too far in. Yeah, you just get sucked in, and then you're on season six. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> and the thing is, like, for being the smartest people in the world, some of that writing is just so lazy. Like, it's just expletives, just left and right. And you're like, really? We can't think of any <laughs> any any other creative way to say any of this. Well, yeah, oh, you know, Sorkin was busy, so. Right, yeah. Which, if you guys have never watched it, um, if you have never watched Newsroom, you yes. watch Newsroom because mm-hmm. it is one of the best. Center shows. Vibes will recommend that. So, yeah. so good. I mean, it's working anything, but like, I feel like right. people don't know about Newsroom. They've seen that opening scene of uh, Jeff Daniels giving that speech. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But then they don't watch the show and I'm like, no, you need to watch the show. The show mm-hmm. is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Eden, it was a pleasure. We appreciate you being on the show. We love that you're grinding it out. Mm-hmm. You're blazing your own trail. And it's just an honor to have you on. So yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we definitely have you back when you've directed your first feature, all right? Yep. Oh yep. my <laughs> When you're when you're on your way to getting your first uh Golden Globe. Uh, yeah. Well let's go ahead and just pin it right now. We get the first interview when you win your Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be like I'll be like, No, my publicist, I, I have to I have to go back to Cine Vibes. <laughs> they called dibs on it back then. I'll get to <laughs> It's recorded. Let the record show. Yes, yes, it is on record. Cool. Thanks right. a lot, guys. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys are looking to find someone to help you self-tape in the Southeast, reach out to Eden at edenlee.com slash taping, and you can set up an appointment with her. You can also find her on Instagram at Miss Eden Lee. As always, if you guys enjoy the podcast and you are vibing with what we're doing, Find us on Instagram at The Center Vibes, or you can reach out via email at centervibescast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.